Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. We were sent. Heaven called us. So we came to you and found you afraid. Lonely. In a world trembling with fear and heartache. Don't be troubled. Your cries have been heard. From the deepest parts of heaven, He has called you by name. You are loved by the Most High, created in His image, overshadowed by His presence. You've been chosen, blessed. Your life has a purpose, a holy purpose. I've been sent to guide you, to deliver a message. Christmas, everybody. Can I get a big Merry Christmas? Merry Christmas. Hey, great to see you. I'm Pastor Tim. want to welcome you to our new series, Fear Not. And if you're new to our church, we're thrilled that you're joining us for Advent. Advent is simply uh, means the arrival. And basically, it means that Advent or Christmas is a time of waiting as we anticipate celebrating the birth of Jesus at Christmas. At Liquid, we're not shy about keeping Christ at the center of Christmas. And this December, you're in for a treat. We're going to have special music every single Sunday. We're going to look at the accounts of the birth of Jesus Christ from kind of an interesting perspective. And it will culminate in our big Christmas Eve services on December 24th. I want to give you a heads up because this year we're hosting 12 Christmas Eve services across our campuses. That's a record. So get your tickets early. They are 100% free, okay? But what we want to do is we want you to reserve your spots now for the family and your friends who you're going to invite. You can take family photos together. We do all that great stuff. But you can go to liquidchurch.com and reserve those free Christmas Eve tickets. Now, let me tell you where the theme of this series, Fear Not, comes from. Three different times. If you read the Christmas story, you will see that God sent angels. Angels are messengers from heaven to deliver his message to key people. And every time these angelic beings appear, they deliver the message by beginning with two words. All our campuses help me out. The angels say, what are the words? Fear not. And they speak those words once to Mary. They tell her that she's going to be pregnant with God's Son by the Holy Spirit, but fear not, don't freak out, don't be afraid. They say, fear not to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary for your wife, even though she's preggers and just your fiance, don't be afraid. 
And then he says, fear not once to the shepherds. They're out in the field and they kind of freak out because the heavenly hosts appear. And they say, fear not, the arrival of Jesus is a cause for joy, not dread. He hasn't come to bring judgment, but salvation to all people. In other words, the opening message of Christmas is fear not, don't be afraid. And that's significant because perhaps today more than ever, our world is gripped by fear, yes? If you watch the news, our airwaves are filled with fear, reports of terrorism, tragedy and disease. There's Ebola, there's ISIS, there's racial riots. The media loves to pound the airwaves with fear. And yet at Christmas, God's angels deliver the message, fear not. And I think that's a message we all need to hear. So let me tell you how we're going to attack this in the weeks to come. Next Sunday, we're going to look at what God's message to Mary, fear not, means and really talk about the fear of what God has planned for your life. Because Mary's pregnancy was unplanned. And maybe you look back on 2014 and say, you know, I had some plans, but they didn't quite turn out the way that I expected. And now I'm being called to this thing and I'm not sure where God is. What do you do when God asks you to make a radical adjustment in your life? That often causes fear. The following Sunday, we'll look at God's message to Joseph, fear not, and talk about the fear of what other people think about us. Because Joseph had a stigma to overcome in raising a non-traditional family, a pregnant fiance going to raise a kid who's not his biological child. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about the fear of feeling forgotten. Because at Christmas, we celebrate Emmanuel. That means God with us. So at Christmas, God is with us. And not only that, he wants to send you as he sent angels to the shepherds to be a voice of hope to people who sometimes feel forgotten. Those who are living on the fringe, that we have a message of faith and love to deliver at Christmas. So that's kind of our outline for this series, Fear Not, on three different levels. I'm very excited to preach this. But before we dive into those texts in the weeks to come, today I wanted to just take some time to spotlight four key areas where we see God at work in the life of our church. Every December, I like to take one Sunday and get all our campuses together on one page and give you kind of a preview of where I believe the Holy Spirit is leading our church in 2015 and beyond. Now, I was thinking about a theme verse that would capture the essence of what God put on my heart to share with you today, and he brought Micah 6.8 to mind. Micah is an Old Testament prophet, had a lot of prophecies about the birth of Jesus, but Micah asked this question of God's people. He says, and what does the Lord, what's the word here? require of you. Now, that's a very weighty question. What does the Lord require of you? You know, for a people who profess to follow Jesus Christ, what that means is we believe in a God who emptied himself at Christmas, came down out of heaven, entered our hot and dirty mess of a world, took on our sin, and then sacrifices his life as a payment for our sin to restore our relationship with God. I think we all realize we can never pay God back for the grace that he's shown us in giving us the gift of salvation through faith in Christ. So this isn't about payback. Grace is priceless. But this is still a great question to ask. What does the Lord require of us, especially at Christmas? Micah's answer is short and profound. Let's read this together. All our campuses, big, loud voice. Here we go. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Three things, Micah says, wherever there's injustice, I want you to use your strength to serve neighbors who are neglected or oppressed. I want you to love mercy. I want you to respond with the compassion of Christ to people who are hungry, who are hurting or in need. And then I want you to do it while walking humbly. 
I believe humility really is the greatest challenge of walking with Jesus. The Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when our church puts the needs of others ahead of our own, I believe we host heaven's favor. I believe we feel the pleasure of God. That's what we have experienced this year as a church. God's given us a tremendous amount of favor, especially this fall. We've had the blessing of record baptisms, over 150 people professing their faith in Christ, outreaches, Holy Spirit fire, as we've tried our best to really follow Micah's mission, acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with Jesus. Well, today, I want to show you what each of these concepts looks like in real time in the life of our church. Because I realize justice, mercy, humility, these can be fuzzy concepts. So to put some skin on it, I want to share a few stories from the field that many of you have been involved in leading, some as recent as this past month. Check out these quick highlights from our outreaches at every single Liquid Campus. volunteers and leaders at every Liquid Campus. So proud of you guys for the impact that you made. I wanted Wendy Hosier, she helped coordinate all four outreaches to come up here. Give us a few snapshots from the field of acting justly. Yeah, um, in Mountainside, we got the opportunity to serve at the St. Clair's Home for Children, which really is just a nice way of saying that it's an orphanage and most of these kids are so severely disabled, that's why they were actually abandoned. Okay. Um, and we got to provide life there um, by renovating the facility. And you can see here, um, this, this little boy right here, like we can't even capture the joy um, because he's moving around so much. You can't even see how, how excited he is. But I mean, 
That was because you as volunteers got to go out and you breathed fresh air into these kids, into that facility, and into the care workers who provide for them. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit of what happened in New Brunswick because we've partnered with Elijah's Promise, that's a soup kitchen, feeding the hungry on the streets of New Brunswick. But this was a deeper level of partnership. Yeah. So a few years back, we actually got to go renovate their soup kitchen, which is their primary facility. And a lot of these people that come through the soup kitchen, or some of them, actually go on to their Promise Culinary School, which is the place we renovate this time. The Promise Culinary School actually is providing them not just with food like the soup kitchen does, but actually provides them with tools and skills so they can provide for themselves for a lifetime. And you know, the New Brunswick team just rocked it out down Incredible. there. Incredible. Can we hear for New Brunswick? You guys yeah. rock. Mike Payne, that whole crew down there, John Cords. In Morristown, we renovated the Abigail House, which is transitional housing for women and children, domestic violence survivors. Tell us about that. Yeah. And what transitional home means is that Week to week, these families are living in different churches throughout Morris County, um, most likely church basements most of the time. Okay. Um, and now they're actually living here at the Abigail House, and they have a firm place, like a steady place, where they can get back on their feet. And yeah. let me just show you the before and after, because it's amazing. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a patio, all right? That's, that's like a souped-up patio. And yes. like I think next year we're going to come to Wendy's house, and it's going to be the Wendy outreach, because <laughs> I want that patio. <laughs> that was kind of fun, though, because the kids were inside the house. They're not allowed to come out while we're doing the playground, the patio. And they're kind of watching at the windows with wide-eyed, and then that was kind of fun, gave them the thumbs up, oh, right? Oh, Todd Milsom, our outreach coordinator, yes. gave the thumbs up, and the kids come running out. Yeah. And, you know, that's so the excited. moment that we live for. And that's what yeah. you as volunteers, you know, yep. that's the moment. Absolutely. It's awesome. In Nutley, we are able to host a Falls Festival for children with special needs. We had a number of families. Tell us what happened there. Yeah, you know, New Jersey um, actually has the highest rate of autism in the nation. Um, but this wasn't just for children with autism. You know, we had children with Down syndrome, ADHD, Asperger's. They actually got to come out and enjoy a stress-free day because our volunteers were taking care of everything. And you can see one of our volunteers here in a family portrait. And, you know, they're providing one-on-one -on -one care to those kids. And look at that. I mean, like, you can see the joy on that family's face. And they're actually going home. They get that mailed out, that portrait. And they have a tangible way of remembrance of what Liquid Church volunteers did for them. Can we hear for Nutley and all the volunteers who sacrificed your time and your money to make these outreaches a success? Uh, if you're new, this really is the heart of Liquid Church and a picture of, I think, what it means to act justly with justice, with compassion for our neighbors in need. I want you to never forget this. The greatest strength of a church is not the number of butts in the seats. It's hands in the streets serving in Jesus' name. When we put feet to our faith and actually bring the hope of the gospel to people who are hurting or sometimes are forgotten or at the end of the line. So as your lead pastor, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for every one of you who sacrificed. You gave your time. Many of you sacrificed your money and your heart to make this happen. Some of you even sacrifice and you serve on a Saturday and then you come and serve on Sunday as well. Whether you serve at Liquid Kids or you serve on another volunteer team at your campus, know that you are making an eternal difference in the lives of so many people. So thank you. Thank you for allowing God to work through you this Christmas. Now, Wendy, before you go, I have yeah. to ask, because if we, people are here and they're like, I didn't have a chance to serve or volunteer at Thanksgiving, do we have another chance before Christmas? Yes. Our friends in Nicaragua have asked us to provide hygiene kits. And these are things we take for granted, which is like soap and toothbrush and toothpaste, you know, a clean drinking cup. Yeah. So they've asked us to provide 5,000 kits. So we're going to actually go and assemble them in December. Yep. You guys know that Nicaragua is an area of emphasis where we drill a number of clean water wells. And this is a supplemental complement to that project. In fact, 
This is important because, you know, obviously with Ebola, everybody's level of awareness of the importance of hygiene is an important solution in the clean water crisis. Now, this actual project is going to be part of our Christmas offering this December, in which we give above and beyond as a church to projects that are here in New Jersey and around the world. In fact, in your program today, we put a brochure that looks like this. Can everybody take that out for just a minute? Go ahead. It says Christmas Offering 2014, and if you, it looks like kind of an accordion. You kind of go like this with it, and if you open the panels, you'll see on the far left, it says Global Compassion, and it includes details about our Christmas outreach in Nicaragua. So understand this Christmas, Liquid is not only paying for these hygiene kits, we're also putting them together, Wendy. Is that correct? Yes. So... Not just are we putting them together, but kids are welcome. You know, okay. a lot of these, uh, our projects in Thanksgiving, uh, Thanksgiving outreach, were all construction. And so it's hard to have kids around, but yeah. this is a family-friendly event. And we want you, your kids, your friends, this is an awesome thing to bring friends to, to come out to our Mountainside campus on December 13th. Okay. At 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., we'll be having different shifts. You come out, we'll be assembling these hygiene kits and having a lot of Christmas fun. Awesome. So this is, a, again, deeper level of ministry in the region of Nicaragua. In fact, this coming year, we're going to send our 24th clean water mission team to Central America. So this is a great kind of next level for our ministry together, global justice, global compassion. Um, remember, families particularly, we want to create an event at Christmas where you could model for your kids what it means to serve people who maybe they haven't even met yet. So this is a great opportunity. Make sure you sign up. There are morning and evening shifts. Can we thank Wendy and all of our volunteer leaders? Grateful for you, Wendy, and our volunteers. Amazing, amazing job. All right, second thing I want to spotlight to you is something pretty exciting in that it's very special in the life of our church. Um, we call it our miracle at Mountainside. Our fourth campus, Liquid Mountainside, is now officially the fastest growing campus in the history of Liquid Church. It is hard to believe that it was a little over a year ago that we opened the doors uh, at Mountainside, and it's been a rocket ship ride. From 29 mostly seniors to 800 men, women, and children worshiping Jesus on Sunday. Can we hear it for Liquid Mountainside? We praise God for you guys and the work that's going on there. When I read Micah's command to walk humbly with your God, I can think of no better example than the nearly two dozen seniors who voted unanimously to donate their church to Liquid to pass the baton so that we could rebirth the church and proclaim the gospel to the next generation. These past few months, we have been working like elves behind the scenes, putting together a short documentary that really tells the story of our miracle at Mountainside, but captures it through the eyes of the previous generation. Because at Liquid, we talk a lot about you know, reaching the next generation, and that's important. But I think part of walking humbly is taking time to celebrate and honor the previous generation, our spiritual fathers and mothers in the faith who sacrificed to actually start the ministry. So this is their story. We named this documentary Rebirth the Church and it is our first time showing it at a Sunday service. I think this illustrates the essence of what it means to walk humbly with your God. So sit back and let the generations inspire you. I've been the pastor at Mountainside Chapel for about 21 years up until this last year. We started the declining in numbers. I guess, um, you know, they started getting married, uh, moving away. 
growth was not part of uh, the plan. We sensed that um, uh, we would have to make some decisions and so that's why we started uh, looking around for uh, the best decision to make. There may be congregations who feel like they're at the end of the rope and, and it's the end of the line. But God is doing something new out there and your church could be part of it. The best days might have been uh, at the very beginning when it started uh, over 190 years ago. It was uh, birthed out of a need to communicate the Bible to children. And so it began in that capacity as a Sunday school, really. Uh, but as time went on, it developed into a, um, a church, a congregation. And then over the, the uh, history of its existence, it's probably never grown more than a couple of hundred to 300 people. Uh, and in the 70s and 80s, I suppose, that would be when the, uh, the best years in terms of numbers and effectiveness uh, for the chapel ministry. Probably the decline began in the uh, 70s, the late 70s, and that just continued. It was not uh, possible for me anyway to uh, effect a turnaround. We were still very, very committed to the Word of God and proclaiming the scriptures and reaching out as best we could. Had a wonderful, healthy congregation for much of that time. Growth was not part of uh, the plan. Uh, we would have to make some decisions. It was a vibrant church. Uh, so much was going on here for young families. I started teaching high school, Sunday school. Teaching those great kids has been my life for, you know, more than 40 years and I have loved every minute of it. Our VBS was uh, an amazing outreach. We had up to 300 uh, kids from the uh, neighborhood. But then as our children got older and they started getting married, they either moved away or they wanted a church of their own. They want to go to their mom and dad's church. We started the declining in numbers and, um, and that brought us to the point where uh, you know, it became uh, difficult uh, for us financially to take care of this building. When we started thinking about merger, uh, we first um, consulted other churches, but not Liquid. I, I don't know why it didn't occur to us, but it did occur to one of our men. Liquid is a different kind of church. I think when people hear the name Liquid Church, they assume we're a cult or a drinking fraternity. But we named our church Liquid for a simple reason. Jesus calls himself the living water, and we believe church should be refreshing. The mission of Liquid is to saturate our state with the gospel and reach the next generation for Jesus Christ. My daughter, one day in talking, she says, oh, you know, Dad, Liquid is looking to open up a campus in a Union County. We got a phone call from Joe Crayson from the Board of Elders at Mountainside Gospel Chapel. I picked up the phone and I called Mike Leahy. I said, hey, would you like to get together and uh, talk about our building? Joe said, would you guys be open to the possibility of exploring Mountainside Chapel becoming a campus of Liquid Church? I was surprised because we're a young church and Mountainside Chapel is 191 years old with a rich history of reaching families across New Jersey. The 
the common connections between Liquid and Mountainside Chapel is that we both have a love for people. We have a tremendous desire to see the gospel uh, work in our area. I've wanted that to happen for years, just haven't had the capabilities of doing it. Mountainside was very similar to the church that I grew up in. I grew up in a small evangelical Bible church of about 150 people. Everyone knew each other's names. You wore a suit and tie on Sundays. My mom played the organ. My dad taught Sunday school. So I felt right at home. But it's really where I came to appreciate community and develop the love for God's Word in the Bible. It's the reason I'm a pastor today. Many times with a contemporary church, we think uh, maybe that the, the message is watered down a little bit. Not so here. The first time I heard Pastor Tim's message, it is, it is out of the Bible. The Word of God is foremost. And that's what I so appreciate. That's, that's how I knew I was in the right place. At Liquid, we're closed-handed about the message. The gospel never changes. But we're open-handed about our methods. We're always looking for creative new ways to communicate God's truth to an ever-changing culture. When our teams got together, we felt the unmistakable leading of God's Spirit. And then the Mountainside Board of Elders did something remarkable. They voted unanimously to pursue a merger with Liquid, known as a rebirth. A rebirth situation is where a struggling, maybe dying church finds a whole new start, a new cycle of life by partnering together with a vibrant, growing, thriving congregation. Very often uh, throughout history, there has been the necessity for something to come to an end in order for something better to come out of it. The death and the, the rebirth of an organization. Uh, churches go through that. And if there is wisdom and prayer applied to the process, it can be a very sweet thing. And I believe that's what's happened here. The day of the vote, I had no idea that we would have 29 people saying yes. And I was just totally blown away. It was just a, a, a God day, and all the glory goes to Him for that, because there was the right decision. The day of the vote was a very exciting day, and usually I don't have butterflies in my stomach, but I did that day. They all raised their hand to uh, donate the building, the property, uh, the parsonage, and also the support of our missionaries for seven years. When I see those seniors raising their hands to give up their church, I get choked up because some people see failure, but I see sacrifice, I see courage. We as an older group have been made to feel so important and so loved. We have a certain amount of wisdom. We have been around a little longer. We have seen what God has done. And then you have the new generation who comes up with all the enthusiasm and all the strength and the things that only they can give. We saw the rebirth as an opportunity to combine the rich history of the chapel with the fresh ministry momentum of liquid, the best of the old and the new. It wasn't erasing the identity or the history of Mountainside. Rather, it meant resurrecting the dream of the original founders and injecting that community with fresh hope and a vision for the future. 
Dr. Haig showed me a time capsule from 1821. I remember wondering what was inside, you know, the bones of Moses, a flannel graph. But it's incredible to think 200 years before, the founders of this ministry had envisioned a day when it would be renewed for the next generation. Over the summer, Liquid invested over one and a half million dollars to refurbish the chapel campus. And the effect was transformational. We installed state-of-the-art technology in the main sanctuary, renovated the children's and kids' space, built new classrooms, upgraded the bathrooms. We even saved the stained glass windows from the original chapel in 1821. We want to preserve the stained glass as a reminder of the spiritual heritage of the chapel families who sacrificed to build this church over the last two centuries. We have flat screens and stained glass side by side, the ancient and the future coming together. We held several work days where seniors and the next generation worked side by side together, painting, pulling weeds, preparing the chapel for a new era of ministry. Together, we brainstormed ways to serve the surrounding community. We partnered with a children's specialized hospital, serving families who have children with special needs. We hosted a winter carnival for kids and families, and it was a joy to see seniors and liquid serving side by side together. From day one, everybody was so loving and so supportive and so encouraging and so respectful. When liquid gets involved in something, they do it with great care and excellence. Our church has a heart to honor the past as we forge the future. We can never forget, we stand on the shoulders of men and women who have poured their lives, they've sacrificed their families to build the local church for the last 200 years. We were nervous for opening day. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears went into the rebirth project from both sides, and we were now one church family. But we didn't know what to expect. There was a buzz building, word was getting out, at the commissioning service here, Liquid did something very uh, special, and they, uh, they washed my feet, and they washed uh, June Bergaller's feet, who's been teaching Sunday school for like 45 years or so, um, Joe Crayson and Dr. Haig, and it was very, very humbling, you know. It, it was probably the most godly thing I had ever participated in. Having the Liquid leadership come with basins of water and towels and, and actually wash our feet. I know I cried for a while. That was the night I, I felt like, this is family now. This is God's family again. What got me uh, was our first Sunday here when we opened up and I'm sitting there, I'm looking in front of me and to my right, my left, and there's all these people. And so many of them are young, uh, unmarried, singles, uh, some of them are ma young marrieds with children. This is what we wanted. We wanted the pews filled. Just seeing all the people pour in, it was just uh, an answer to prayer, you know. It was all that we uh, hoped for and, and more. Linda and I were standing out on the front lawn watching people come out of the first service, the nine o'clock service, and people just kept pouring out of the doors. And tears are coming down our faces thinking, this is exactly what we wanted. We committed some time ago to serve as greeters because um, we wanted to greet people to this new thing. I love making name tags for people. I love getting to know them. So for four services, we were, we were here. We just couldn't tear ourselves away.
When I saw the sanctuary filled, I said, glory to God, this is just an answer to prayer. And uh, I just can't wait to see it refilled time and time again. I think it's important um, to have a multi-generational congregation because each generation has something to give. It is such a joy to see this place as we always dreamed it would be, filled with people who have come to hear about Jesus Christ. When I heard about Mountainside merging with Liquid, and they were ecstatic, I was happy for them, but I thought, no, this is just one more example of something that God is doing. He is all about resurrection. He is all about making things new. He is all about fresh starts. He wants his gospel to go forward, and together, these churches are making a big difference on that. Jesus talked about wineskins, but that wasn't just for biblical times. Every year since, the wine of the gospel has needed new wineskins. And here we are in a new era with Mountainside and Liquid, same wine of the gospel, new set of skins. From 29 people to over a thousand, we call it our miracle at Mountainside. From start to finish, it was a total God thing to see the generations working together to reach new families for Christ. On Easter, we had over a thousand people attend Liquid Mountainside, and over 60 of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ. That's the fruit of rebirth. That spring, we baptized our thousandth person at Liquid Mountainside. In fact, it was a father and his three sons. Sometimes you change a life, and sometimes you change a legacy. We continued to partner with families and children with special needs, and that became a signature mission, our heartbeat, to reach our community. It's our heart to ask, is there a way we can partner together to reach new generations that's a win-win for both congregations and ultimately the Kingdom of God? Our goal was not uh, simply to hand something over to the next generation. It was rather to join the next generation. And I feel like many of us have done that and uh, are willing to move forward. I do believe Liquid Mountainside is a miracle. I've told a number of people that because of how quickly this transpired and all of the pieces of the puzzle that fit together, uh, that it's either one of the, the, the biggest deceptions of the enemy or we're the greatest fools on earth or this really was something that was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I choose to believe the latter. What happens next after the merger between Mountainside and Liquid? What we see is that people are aware of it and they say, you know, maybe that's us. Maybe we should be part of something like that. Maybe they come to Liquid Church and say, is there a way we could partner together? The key is, is there ongoing new life? And do you want to step up and begin that kind of conversation? Guys, today, Dr. Haig, his wife, Linda, and many of the several of the mountainside leaders are with us. Can we thank them for their humility and their sacrifice? We praise God for you. Thank God for you. It's incredible. Again, we're, we're a young church, and we like to talk about reaching the next generation. But, you know, the previous generation, we stand on your shoulders. You're the reason we're here today. We're inspired by your humility, and we want to honor your sacrifice. 
It's funny, as I get older, the seniors in our church become more of my heroes. I mean, can you imagine being in your 60s and 70s and then, you know, raising your hand to give your church away to the next generation? I think that's what it means to walk humbly with your God. You be open-handed. That's inspiring. That's, that's who I want to be when I grow up. And I hope you do too. Because we believe Mountainside is the start of something potentially big. Today, over 80% of all churches in New Jersey, 80% of churches in New Jersey are plateaued or declining. Think of where you live right now today where you're going to drive home. You can probably think of a church that you drive by on the way home or to school or to work that you're like, is that even open? I don't know if they keep, they're struggling to keep the doors open or reach new people. But as we've witnessed with Mountainside, there is hope. I mean, if God can resurrect his son from the dead, he has the power to rebirth his church. Amen? Here's the exciting news. Since the rebirth of Mountainside, Liquid has been approached by over 20 other churches who are interested in exploring the possibility of rebirthing their ministry. We have now had conversations with those churches across New Jersey. We want to be prepared for what God's going to do next in 2015. And that's why we created rebirthyourchurch.com, which we're publicly launching today. It's to help other New Jersey churches that are plateaued or declining take the steps that might potentially rebirth their church for a new season of ministry like we've seen at Mountainside. And those conversations we're having are still in the preliminary stages. Sadly, none of them have been in New Brunswick yet, okay? New Brunswick, you guys are super patient. Um, rebirthing a church in the New Brunswick area is still our number one priority in 2015 because we want them to have a permanent home. We have scoured over 106 different locations. I am grateful for your patience. But I'm like, if God can do it here, he can do it anywhere. So this is an ongoing process. I don't have any special announcements about a new building at Christmas or fifth campus yet. But suffice to say, we believe Mountainside represents an exciting expansion opportunity for multi-site churches like ours. I believe like right now, guys, that we are living in this unprecedented moment in history. It's like we're on the hinge of a generational transfer where you have many historic evangelical churches that were once thriving and vibrant are now contracting. And in a region like New Jersey, where property is expensive and it's scarce, everything is built, this is now our number one strategy for opening future campuses. To rebirth an existing church, our second option would be a rental, as we do with hotels or schools, and then a last resort would be real estate, okay? You, you understand why that is. We prefer rebirth because we think it shows the kingdom of God, the power of God even better. It really brings the old and the new generations together, taking maybe one that, um, a congregation that has, a, you know, assets and an incredible history, but is lacking in, in, you know, vision and youthful energy and people, and then taking a younger church that has a lot of people and a lot of energy, but no assets, that's us, and when you bring them together, the result is win-win. The gospel gets those new wineskins and God gets the glory because we get to be part of something bigger than any one of us could do on our own. So we're excited to launch rebirthyourchurch.com publicly today, and you can direct any friends or pastors or churches that you know who might be open to exploring the possibility of a partnership. They can watch the video you just saw online at this website, and we'd be happy to talk with them and encourage them in any way. Understand, even if a rebirth with liquid isn't in the cards, that's okay. Our heart is just to help other churches and ministries so that God gets the glory. In fact, it was kind of cool. Last week, we had a webinar with 60 churches from across the country, some in Texas, California, who are exploring rebirth opportunities in their area, and they're telling and using this video, they're using the video of Mountainside to inspire and cast vision with their folks. 
So Mountainside, your influence is kind of rippling out. And we believe this is really a strategic opportunity that God may use in 2015 and in the years to come to expand liquid. For that reason, if again, you take a look at that brochure in your program today, you'll see we are devoting a portion of the 2014 Christmas offering to develop those potential partnerships with other ministries who are interested in rebirthing their church in 2015 and beyond. You know, you've heard me say this before. Sometimes I'll go, you know, out of state down, you know, Colorado or Texas or something, and I'm talking with other pastors, and they're like, where's your church again? I'm like, New Jersey. And they're like, there are Christians in New Jersey? Like, they don't even, they can't believe it, you know? It's like, Nazareth, what good can come from Nazareth, you know? You know, some people say New Jersey is a graveyard for churches, but I believe a graveyard is the best place to be if you want to witness a resurrection, amen? A revival, a rebirth, all right? God's doing something new in our day and our generation, and we want to honor the past as we forge the future together. As Isaiah says, forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. Don't get stuck there. Celebrate it. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I really believe this is one of the most exciting times to be in ministry because where you and I live, the Northeast, we are now officially a post-Christian culture. But in the last days, God says, I'm going to pour out the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give young men dream dreams and old men have visions. And you know what? I think we're just getting started. I really feel like the best is yet to come in our church as we join Jesus in his resurrection work. Walk humbly with your God and rebirth his church together. Now, if you go back to our theme verse from Micah 6, 8, you'll see that I saved the best for last. We've talked about acting justly and walking humbly with your God, but I've saved loving mercy uh, for last because, as you know, Liquid partners with a lot of outside organizations at every campus. That's our joy to do, to give ourselves away. But I think it's accurate to say, at Christmas, we have a special relationship with the relief bus, which serves food and meals to the homeless and the hungry on the streets of our cities every week, year in and year out. They offer Christ-centered compassion to the most vulnerable who are living on the streets of Newark, Patterson, Elizabeth, New York City, feeding meals, warm soup, hot bread to people who are hungry, connecting homeless with shelter and supplies, even sick to medical treatment, and connecting the addicted people to detox and rehab and treatment. Now, this is a cause that's very close to the heart of our church. In fact, last year at this time, the president of the relief bus, Juan Galloway, invited me to check out a new location they were considering at Penn Station in Newark. And if you remember, I actually spent the night sleeping on the streets of Newark. I didn't have my fancy handkerchief. I looked a little different, scrounging for food around the Prudential Center. It was bitter cold, almost impossible to sleep. And the homeless friends that I met were welcoming, but they were also on edge because the experience was eye-opening. I will never look at a homeless person the same way again. They are more than a statistic. They are more than a stereotype. They are people with stories just like us. People like Victoria, who's been homeless for years, and now her home is living at Penn Station, Newark, sleeping on a bench at nights. So if you've come through there to go to the Prudential Center, a concert, or a ball game, you've probably passed Victoria. She sleeps on a bench outside Penn Station. I have no idea how she sleeps on a cold weekend like this. Many of the folks at Penn Station are mentally ill. Many of them are military veterans. Some of them are addicted. But the chance to show Christ's mercy is a great privilege. So last December, the relief bus asked if our church would be willing to sponsor a brand new location in Newark, Penn Station. And we took a step of faith as a church 12 months ago. We actually included this in last year's Christmas offering. And I'm here to report back to you today, 12 months later, what happened. 
Thanks to your generosity, we were able to sponsor an entire year's worth of outreaches at Penn Station 2014. And I'm proud to tell you that the impact of your generosity was literally life-changing. Altogether, we were able to help serve 10,280 meals. That's food and beverage to people who are completely hungry and homeless, indigent, nothing to their name. We were able to provide almost 1,400 with people with one-on-one care and medical aid because you'll see a lot of times exposure and malnutrition are, are a common plight of the homeless. Many of you gave your socks off your feet. We gave 1,300 pairs of socks and hygiene kits distributed. And when we pray with people, understand it's not like just praying, bless this food. It's literally life or death. I don't know if I'm going to make it through tonight. God, would you give me my daily bread? Here's the bread. You have had an incredible impact as we have directed people to detox, medical treatment, and rehab. And again, these are statistics. But to put a face on the issue, I wanted you to hear today from a woman named Delia. And I asked if we could share Delia's story with you to show the kind of impact your ministry is having. I didn't know what love was. I didn't have like a hug or, or someone tell me I love me like my, like my dad never gave me that. There was a void inside of me. Uh, there was a lot of hurt. There was a lot of pain that I didn't know how to cope with. Um, and I felt so lost. And I remember my brother um, sexually abusing and molesting us and putting us into a dark closet and threatening us with a butter knife that he would kill us. And this abuse um, ran on from the age of seven to 13 years old. I was so angry that he threw himself from the roof because I wanted to tell him why was he doing those things to me that I started indulging in heroin and cocaine. And as the time progressed, I started putting a needle in my arm and I did it like for two years. And the reason I found myself just going more deeper and down the spiral of drugs and alcohol was because I was looking for some type of, some type of relief. That was the only way I could cope. Like when I took the drugs, it just made the pain go away. Right down the street from this place, there's a methadone program, which I was in for 23 years. And one day I just came out and I seen the relief bus and they would come here every week. And when I was coming, I came for two years and all I did was come for the soup. People gave me um, toiletries because I was prostituting on this strip right here on 125th to 124. And I was like hopeless and I was dirty, I was smelly. And they would give me clothing and toiletries. So really for the first two years, I just came to use the things that I could benefit from. But I met a girl named Johanna and a woman named Monica, and they started talking to me about Jesus. And these women, they opened their heart to me and gave me that love. And they gave me their kindness and they gave me the understanding. And one day, uh, Johanna told me that there's a Heavenly Father and that He loves me and that He was my Father. And that if I want to receive them into my heart, and that day I decided that I wanted to know who this Heavenly Father was. And I want him in my life and I needed that change. I needed that change to come to my life.
when I woke up and I looked in the mirror, I didn't know who I was. I was, I was like, who is this woman? Because I was sober and I didn't know from 30 years of just being drugged up and abused, I didn't know how to like manage my life, but with the help of Johanna and the relief bus, I just kept coming and I started meeting new friends, Christian friends, and started going to church. And that's how I got into fellowship and gave my life like completely to God. Three months into giving my life to the Lord, I started volunteering for the relief bus. And I volunteered with them for five years until I met the new church that I go to called Metro World Child. And now I'm a volunteer worker for the Metro Ministry Children's Sunday School. And I've been serving the Lord for eight years. And if it wasn't for the relief bus, I would not be right now here telling my story because I know for sure that I would have been dead. And today they continue to still come to this, this same corner twice a week to reach out to the lost. And I just want to thank them for that opportunity of coming into my life. here for that amazing testimony. That is an incredible thing. That is a miracle. Understand, only the gospel of Jesus Christ can do that kind of work. When a man or woman's in a methadone clinic for over 20 years, they don't just turn it around. So you need to understand, when we feed a homeless brother or sister, when we give them a cup of hot soup, you're not just filling their belly. You are feeding their soul. You are meeting a deeper spiritual need than just physical hunger. We're pointing them to the greatest hope there is, the gospel of Jesus Christ, which alone has the power to change lives. Amen? Here's the exciting news. In 2015, we believe God's calling us to step it up as a church even further. We are expanding our partnership with the Relief Bus in a game-changing way. Next year, as one church, we are not going to provide 10,000 meals. You can double that and add a zero. Okay? Catch this. We are going to provide 200,000 meals in 2015 to the homeless across New Jersey and New York. That is a lot of soup. In fact, this is an entire year's worth of meals at every location in New Jersey and New York. All told, this will feed about 100,000 homeless men and women and children. So guys, understand this is a big step of faith for us. Because when you add a zero, 200,000 meals, it means we add a zero on our budget. But we believe this is the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus takes it very personally when we identify with the poor. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. So do justice, love mercy. And this year's Christmas offering is going to fund the entire year's worth of meals for the homeless and the hurting on our city streets. Now, we are asking God to provide $600,000 by December 31st, and that's a big number, all right? But you can see, we have a big vision, and I know many of you have a big heart. Many of you give above and beyond at the end of the year. Thanks to your generosity, you saw the impact. You saved lives last year. This year, we have a chance to multiply that impact exponentially. That's what Colleen and I do. Every year, we kind of pull our kids together, and before they make their laundry list of all the Nintendo and all the stuff they want... We discuss as a family, we say, hey, guys, what are we going to sacrifice as a family so that we can give generously to the Christmas offering? And then we give a financial gift as a family that's above and beyond our normal tithe and offering on Sundays. And that's a joy to do. It's not just, a, you know, it's not a sacrifice. I mean, rarely, when do you ever get the chance to be part of something that is literally saving lives? Not a metaphor. 
You're literally saving bodies and souls. This is a privilege and it is a joy for us to do as a church. Because when the winter comes, the people who are on the streets today are full of fear. They have a fear of hunger. Where is their next meal coming from? Fear of not having a home. Where am I going to live? Fear of feeling forgotten. And this year, our message at church is fear not because we are here and we're going to feed you and care for our brothers and sisters on the streets in Jesus' name. Amen? Now, the deadline for our Christmas offering is December 31st. That's the end of the year, and you can give in three ways. You can give for the rest of this month whenever our ushers pass the popcorn buckets at our campuses. Or if you pull out of your program today, you'll see we put a special envelope in here. It has an angel's wing on it. That's in your program today. And you can just drop this in the mail. It's postage paid. Make sure it's postmarked before December 31st. All gifts are tax deductible. If you've been holding on to your offering like all year, this is that moment to give it. If you get that year-end bonus, you can save lives. You can also give online at liquidchurch.com. We put a special tab for this Christmas offering with more details. But here's what I want you to do today. I just want you to take this home with you. I don't want you to throw it in the backseat of your car. I want you to put it on your kitchen table or put it on your refrigerator so that you see it. And you take a look at the four missions that God is calling us to this Christmas. I didn't even touch on the evangelism panel. You'll see we have a couple of church-wide events planned for the spring that are pretty cool, including a huge one service down the shore. You can check that out, okay? But here's what I want you to do. You take this home, read through it. I just want you to pray. I want you to pray as a family about what God is asking you to give above and beyond your normal tithing by year's end. If you're new to Liquid, you should know something about our church. Liquid is a tithing church. What that means is every year, we give away 10% of our entire budget outside these church walls to feed the hungry, to care for the poor, to serve those who are vulnerable or need a helping hand. So this offering represents the 10% that we're going to give away this year. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your generosity. Liquid is full of generous people and families. And this Christmas, you have an opportunity to save lives in Jesus' name, to say, fear not. Help people overcome the fear of disease with clean hygiene kits in Nicaragua. The fear of a church just dying. We have rebirth projects and opportunities all across our state. And the fear of hunger with 200,000 meals through the relief bus. Our message is the same as God's angels at Christmas. Fear not. Whenever we are blessed, you're blessed for a simple reason, so you can be a blessing to others. So before I invite our ushers down, I just want to take a moment for all our campuses to pray together. Before we do, I hope you just get a chance to look at Micah 6, 8 one more time. It says, what does the Lord require of you? Can we just read this together at Christmas? Big, loud voice. Ready? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Wherever there's injustice, spend your strength to serve your neighbors who are neglected or oppressed. Love mercy. Respond with Christ's compassion whenever you see people who are hungry or hurting and in need of hope. And just walk humbly. Humility is the greatest virtue of the Christian life. And I believe, guys, when our church family puts the needs of others ahead of our own, that's when we host the dove. That's when the presence of the Holy Spirit rests on our church in a special way. So let's take a moment to thank God for all he's done and to provide for all we're going to do in 2015 in his name. Bow our heads. Father God, we praise you first off for Jesus. We look now to heaven and think about this, that though you were rich, you became poor for our sake so that we might receive the grace and the salvation of God. Thank you, Jesus, at Christmas. I ask you, Lord, to be born again in our hearts, that we would see that baby 
born in a manger, born in poverty and squalor. And that was your plan for saving the world. And Father, we follow that Savior now. We look to the cross. We ask how can we sacrifice to illuminate Jesus to a world that needs hope. I thank you, Lord, for Delia. I thank you for the lives that change. I thank you for the mountainside seniors. God, you're growing your church, and it is your kingdom that's expanding. So we ask you, God, now to bless our gifts. Use these offerings. Multiply them in an exponential way, Father, so that the kingdom of Jesus Christ advances. We ask all glory and honor to go to our risen King and coming Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.